today we continue our way through the book of 1 Corinthians. And I will read the text this morning because uh, we did not read it as our New Testament reading nor, nor our word of exhortation. So let me read the text for you uh, for you this morning. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 7, starting in verse 17 and going through 24. And you will remember that Paul has just come off of a, a lengthy um, discussion about sexuality and marriage, and that will continue. But he, 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 you'll also remember that he is responding to a letter that was written to him where certain issues were brought up to him, and he is engaging those directly. And you've heard some of those quotes. Oh, it's not good for a man to touch a woman. That's not Paul saying that. It's Paul taking something that was said to him and responding to it. Okay, so we've seen several of these. Okay, so here, as we enter into this text, we're dealing with the Corinthian church, which is concerned about its standing. Now that we're Christians, what does it mean about our standing in things, our social standing, our ethnic standing? Is it a problem that we're Gentiles? Is it a problem that we're married? Is it a problem that we're unmarried? Should, should we become married now? Should I become free? Now that I'm a Christian, does that mean I've got to divorce my, my uh, non-Christian spouse and go, you know, all these questions about what are the implications of my faith on my life now? Because I'm living in the Greco-Roman world, but now they get a sense that I am a citizen of a different kingdom. And as such, what are the implications for my life in the Greco-Roman kingdom? And this is, a, this, just on that level, is a wonderful question to ask. What? But, but many of us grew up Christian, and it's, it's hard for us to think about these two kingdoms. They just kind of blend in, especially in, in America where it's been Christianized. The lines get really blurry. It was not so blurry in the Greco-Roman world. But a really wonderful question, like, what are the political, social implications of my now being a Christian? It changes everything, but how? Okay, so we get to that now, and you're going to hear, this is a text that in many ways will be offensive, I think, to, again, to our culture, as so much of 1 Corinthians is and has been. Starting in verse 17. But God has distributed to each one as the Lord has called each one. So let him walk. And so I ordain in all the churches. Was anyone called while circumcised? Let him not become uncircumcised. Was anyone called while uncircumcised? Let him not be circumcised. Circumcision is nothing. And uncircumcision is nothing. But keeping the commandments of God is what matters. Let each one remain in the same calling in which he was called. Were you called while a slave? Do not be concerned about it. But if you can be made free, rather use it. For he who is called in the Lord while a slave is the Lord's freedman. Likewise, he who is called while free is Christ's slave. You were bought at a price. Do not become slaves of men. Brethren, let each one remain with God in that state in which he was called. Okay. Let's tackle this text. So what? Let's let's get the let's get the overall picture of what Paul is telling us, and then we'll go to the two particulars. He gives us two examples here. Paul's point is: whatever the implications are for you, because you are now a Christian in the Greco-Roman world, it does not mean that you have to change some kind of social standing. 
It doesn't mean that you need to change your marital standing. We already saw that. Don't divorce your your unconverted spouse. Um, it doesn't mean you have to change your ethnic standing. You know, just as we've been spending time in Galatians in our exhortation in New Testament reading today. No, you do not have to go become a Jew. You don't need to take on the signs of the old covenant. We do not, these, these things, these worldly forms, in some sense are irrelevant. They are irrelevant because you are a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. You are a citizen of the kingdom of God. And that relativizes really the, the weight that these worldly institutions carry. The things we care so much about. Paul is saying, in some sense, they are unbelievably insignificant. Now, how you be a married person matters because we're to do all things to the glory of God. You can't say, well, marriage doesn't matter, so it doesn't matter what kind of husband I am. No, 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 that doesn't work. But it doesn't mean, oh, well, now you're a Christian, you should, you should get married because the Bible says, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And so therefore, all Christians should be married and should be about it already. No, 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 that would be, a, that would, that's what Paul's saying. No. And he'll go on. I, I, I wish you all could be like me. Paul is unmarried at this point and, and devoting himself to the, to the kingdom of God. And, and he says, that would be great if you all could do that. But some of you cannot, so get married. Marriage or singleness does not matter. Just like he says here about circumcision and uncircumcision. Doesn't matter. What matters is keeping the law of God. Right? Married or unmarried. Here's what matters. Keep the law of God. How can you be a married man or woman to the glory of God? Single. Single man or woman. How can you be a single man or woman to the glory of God? So he takes these cultural institutions and how you live in them is important because being a Christian changes everything. I can't be the same husband I was before my conversion. I just can't be because I'm a new man now. And therefore, it has to affect how I'm a husband, how I'm a dad, how I'm a teacher, how I'm an American, how I'm a citizen, how I'm an employee. It has to affect all of that. But whether I'm an employee of this company or that company, or whether I'm married or whether I'm single, or whether I live in America or whether I live in Germany, doesn't matter. Don't be bothered by these things. Rather, know who you are in Jesus Christ. Okay, so basically, don't worry about, don't stress out over these different institutional questions. In some sense, it's very liberating, isn't it? I've known people paralyzed by the will of God for their lives. I know people who are like, well, I, I don't know how to discern God's will in this situation. Should I do this and should I do that? In some sense, I'm not saying there's no thinking that needs to go into that. There most certainly is because in any given decision, we need to be good stewards of the opportunities God's given to us and we need to make decisions to the glory of God as best we can. But in some sense, what Paul is saying here is don't stress about that. Don't stress over going down the path of God that is the will of God for your life. Here's the will of God for your life, that you obey him. Wait, is it, let's just take marriage as the example. 
is it the will of God that I get married or that I not get married? In some sense, Paul would say, it doesn't matter. Now, the decision still needs to be a wise one. Maybe it's not wise that you marry this person. Maybe it's not wise that you remain single. There could be questions like that. But what Paul's saying is, the path doesn't matter. You can glorify God on this path and you can glorify God on that path. The thing is, in whatever path, here's the will of God, that you obey him in the path that you're on. That you honor him and glorify him as such. Married, glorify him as a married man, a married woman. Single, glorify him as a single man, a single woman. So this is the issue that the Corinthians are feeling. What does this mean for me in my social ethnic standing? Okay, so let, let's now walk our way through the text. But as God has distributed to each one, as the Lord has called each one, so let him walk. And so I ordain in all the churches. Notice, as God has distributed to each one. When we hear that language, as God has distributed to each one, my mind immediately finishes the sentence by talking about gifts unto the church. Because that's the way Paul talks about the giftedness of the church. God has distributed to each one of you gifts. He'll talk about this in 1 Corinthians 12. He has given each one of you gifts. But you know what else he has given you? Stories. He has distributed the gift of faith to you, and you all come from different places. You all come with different experiences. You all come with different giftedness, of course. You all come with different family backgrounds. You all come with different proclivities, different quirks, oddities, loves, passions, interests. And Paul does not try to obscure that. Paul, in some sense, rejoices in that. Don't shun that. God has made you who you are. God had you born in the time you were born, to the parents from whom you were born, in the country where you were born, in the political situation that you are in. Like, all this stuff has made you who you are. Don't shun that. Becoming a Christian does not sort of whitewash that and make us all the same person now. He would say to his, hey, some of you have come out of Judaism. Some of you have come circumcised. Many of you have not. You are Gentiles. You don't have to shun your Gentileness, nor do you have to shun your Jewishness. We'll talk about that. How does that relate to what everything we read in Galatians? Galatians 3 and 4 and part of 5 for those who are listening in. Your, your, your marriages, your background, your mistakes, your problems, your ethnicity, your careers. These are things in which God has called you. And Paul does not say, now, for, try to forget everything that's made you you. He does not do that. I ordain this within all the churches. So now he gives the two examples. And the two examples are going to be circumcision, which we know plays a big part throughout the New Testament. The, the book of Acts is filled with this complication now of the gospel coming to all the nations, to the Gentiles, from the Jews, and in places where the Jews are living. How, do, do Gentile Christians need to become Jews? Because in the Old Testament, if you converted to the faith, you, if you're a male, you need to be circumcised. So this just seems obvious. Okay, Paul talks to people in Galatia and 
they hear it and they believe, they should be, why isn't Paul not telling them to get circumcised? So a group of people come in behind Paul and say, hey, you know you need to be circumcised, right? Like, what? Yeah, if you, if you, if you, if not, you're outside the covenant, man. You're, you're outside the people of God. You can have all your beliefs you want, but if you don't have the sign of the covenant, you're outside the covenant. And so they go, okay, I guess we need to do that. And Paul has to write him a letter and says, don't you dare do that. Don't you dare do that. So this was an issue that was going on. It's what the Jerusalem Council was about in Acts chapter 15 when they the, the church had to get together. Okay, whoa, whoa, let's get everybody in. Everybody in. Do we think they need to be circumcised or don't? And the church ruled, no, they do not. For the very reasons we read about in Galatians. No, they do not have to be circumcised. Because circumcision was a sign of the Old Covenant, and we are no longer in the Old Covenant, the Old Testament. We are in the New Testament. And in the New Testament, circumcision is no longer a sign of co covenantal promises because it was a sign pointing forward to the cross. And if you want this, go to Colossians chapter 2, where Paul makes this point, that in Christ, hey, Gentile Colossians, in Christ you have been circumcised. Everything circumcision represented in the Old Covenant you have in Christ, in Christ, you have received, quote unquote, circumcision. You are free now. You don't have to go do it yourself. You have it in Christ. So in verse 18, was anyone called while circumcised? Imagine Paul himself, okay? Paul himself was called while circumcised. Paul was a Jew and had been circumcised. Was anyone called while circumcised? Let him not become uncircumcised. You don't have to undo that. But the same thing the other way. Was anyone called while uncircumcised? Let him not be circumcised. No, you do not have to go now become a Jew here in the new covenant. And again, I just encourage you to read into this because we don't have time to do it. Maybe in Sunday school we could talk about it. Read back into this now everything. The theological argument for this is Galatians. So I encourage you even to go back and read that. But Paul is saying we do not have to do that. Then he says something that would have blown the minds of Jews in his day. And certainly the, the group following behind Paul requiring everybody to be circumcised. This question would have, this statement he makes now would have made no sense to them. So he says, look, you are who you are and in Christ you don't have to shun that. You, hey, Gentile, you don't have to become a Jew. Jew, you don't have to shun your Jewishness and become a Gentile. And verse 19, circumcision is nothing. Okay, that would have been offensive, but Paul's been saying that. And uncircumcision is nothing. You are not better because you're uncircumcised. You are not better because you are circumcised. Neither of these two things hold any weight anymore. And now we could fill in all the other things I said. It doesn't matter if you're American or not American. It doesn't matter whether you are, uh, uh, you know, uh, married or unmarried. Circumcision is nothing. Uncircumcision is nothing. But keeping the commandments of God is what matters. Now, a Jew would have been like, wait, what? That is the commandment of God. What do you mean? Keeping the commandments of God is what matters. Circumcision is a commandment of God. And hence, you have to read the book of Galatians back in there. Because Paul is saying it was a temporal commandment. It was a commandment for the time prior to the cross. And now that the cross has come, the commandment goes away. It served its purpose. Go back to the metaphor I used of training wheels on the bike. 
Training wheels serve a purpose. But when the time comes, the training wheels come off and you ride the bike on your own. So circumcision, so, but now to, to our point, being married is not what matters. Being single is not what matters. Being American is not what matters. Being German is not what matters. Here's what matters. You know what the will of God is for you? That you keep his commandments. Keep his commandments. Seek to glorify him in whatever state you find yourself. That is what matters. And so he says in verse 20, Therefore let each one remain in the same calling in which you were called. Now, it, it, again, in the marriage thing, it, uh, he, it, with circumcision, it certainly means do not, you, you don't have to undo this or you don't have to do something. But at the same time, with these other things, if something changes, okay, don't worry about it is the point. So let's go to verse 21. And here's where it gets offensive if we read this with 21st century ears. And the Bible speaks to us as 21st century people, but we have to hear it in our 21st century moment with first century years. And we have to, we have to hear what he's saying, okay? Were you called while a slave? Do not be concerned about it. But if you can be, if you can be made free, go for it. Don't shun that. <laughs> On the one hand, because he's saying, hey, stay in the state you were called in. Where, where were you, what were you when you were saved? That is just fine. Circumcision, fine. Uncircumcision, fine. Slave, fine. Don't worry about it. Oh, but if you're made free, don't go, well, this is what Paul said. I have to stay where I have to stay where I was. No, are you made free? Make use of it. Go for it. Go. Same thing. Were you were you saved and you were unmarried? Oh, and then okay, I, I fall in love and I'm in a relationship and I'm gonna the marriage presents an opportunity. No, I can't now because Paul said, remain where you were. No, make use of it. Go for it. The point is don't sweat it. Don't be bothered about the singleness or the marriedness. Don't be bothered about the circumcision or the uncircumcision. Don't be bothered about the slavery or the freedom. Now, again, notice he's not talking to slaveholders here. Right? He's not saying, hey, slaveholders, remain in the condition you're in. So if you had slaves, keep them. Right? He's, not, that, he's not saying that. He is talking to a slave in, in, in the letter, you know, um, the anonymous slave here. And he, he's, saying, he's speaking to that slave and saying, you know, hey, I'm, I'm grinding my life away here under this, under this yoke of bondage serving this man or this family for money I owe them probably. Most of it was debt enslavement. Not quite chattel slavery like we think of. But whether or not this would apply to that would be a discussion we can have in Sunday school. But he's speaking to a slave who's grinding out his years here trying to fill up the, the satisfaction for this debt so that he can be free and I just trying to figure out ways to get out of here and escape this and be and, and Paul's saying don't 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 worry about it don't worry about it. were you called while a slave do not be concerned about it but if you can be made free of course go for it but here's the key in verse 22. For he who is called in the Lord while a slave is the Lord's freed man. Now our country will be offended by this because it will say, who is Paul to say that walking around free? Of course, don't forget he was a prisoner. He's a prisoner. 
But Paul would say, whether prisoner or free, don't sweat it because even behind these bars, I am the Lord's freed man. I am free in Christ. My identity is not by this ownership of, of, of this debt enslavement of this master to me. I will be faithful. And I will obey because what matters? Keeping the commandments of God. And I will obey where the Lord has planted me. I will make use of providential opportunities he gives to me. If he gives me the freedom, the, the, the man says, you may go now. Or somebody pays my debt. I won't say, no, too bad, I have to stay. I will make use of it. But in as long as in his providence I am here, I will not be bothered by this because I am free in Christ. And I love it how he even flips it around. For he who is called in the Lord while a slave is the Lord's free man. Likewise, he who is called while free is the Lord's slave. Hey, Mr. Freedman, you who think you're free, man, I, hey, okay, I'm glad we all stay where we are because I'm free and I'm loving that. Don't you forget, you are the Lord's slave. Just as much as the slave, you are required to obey your master. We are all to obey our master who is the Lord Jesus Christ, whether slave or free, whether Jew or Gentile, whether male or female. In that sense, he's not condoning slavery here. He is not speaking to the slaveholder and saying, go ahead and keep your slave. That's not at all what happened. He is encouraging a slave who thinks that his life is being stripped from him. And he's saying, your life is not being stripped from you. You are the Lord's freed man. He has purchased you, and you are free. You are free to even endure your slavery. You, that's what you are free to do. And hey, Mr. Man who is free, let me tell you something. You are compelled to obey God in your standing. We, in this room, are at the same time freed men and women and yet slaves. And Paul uses this language for himself, calling himself a slave, a bondservant of the Lord Jesus Christ. So he comes in verse 23. Here's why you are slaves of Christ. And, and by the way, this goes both ways. Why you are a slave to Christ and why you are a freed man. Your freedom has been purchased. You have been redeemed, which is slave language. Slave language, when you are redeemed, it means your price has been paid to free you. You were bought at a price. Therefore, do not become slaves of any men. Now, see, he's saying that to the slave who at that current moment is a slave of man. But he's saying, even as a slave, do not become a slave of men. Do not find your identity in your slave, in your human slavery. You're a slave of no man. You've been bought by another master. You are a servant to Christ. And in this moment, Christ has you on this battlefield, on this mission field. Therefore, serve freely. Serve freely. Paul will say to the Colossians, hey, slaves. He'll speak to the slaves again in similar words. We could have read this. He speaks to the slaves and says, serve your masters, not as pleasers of men. Not, not trying to get your slave to be pleased with you, but as 
those who serve the Lord. Do therefore all you do heartily. Saying to the slave, do all you do heartily as unto the Lord. And that's just as true for the freedman. You know why? Because you've been bought. You have an owner. To the slave, he needs to hear that he's been bought. His freedom has been purchased. To the freedman, I put that in air quotes for those listening. For the freedman, you have been bought. You think you're free. You are a slave, a bondservant, a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. And therefore, your living matters. You are to keep the commandments of God in your freedom. You were bought at a price. Do not become slaves of men. Verse 24, brethren, let each one remain with God in that state in which he was called. I.e., don't sweat this stuff. Don't be bothered by these questions of this temporal fleeting life in whatever circumstance, male, female, Jew, Gentile, slave, free, married, unmarried, rich, poor, American, German, Chinese, North Korean. Don't grind over these things. You are the Lord's. And as such, you are free, brothers and sisters. You are right with God. And that is the only identification that matters. This world is a vapor. This world is fleeting. The life that we groan about and that's so hard and in the moment it is so hard because it's all we know will be like a dream that fades. It's a wisp of a life. So don't grind over it. Serve the Lord where you are for circumcision, uncircumcision, slavery, freedom. is not what's relevant. Here's what's relevant. Glorify God. And therefore, even the slave owners were to glorify God and had to, had to wrestle with, can I glorify God holding on to this slave? Right? That's, the, that's the thing he would say to the slave owner. Go read Philemon, this kind of battle back and forth as he's telling Philemon how to receive a, a brother, Onesimus, a returning slave. Not as a slave, but as a brother. He has words to say to the slave owners as well, but he's offering liberating words here to the slave, to the uncircumcised, and to all of us. May we find our identity in Christ and in him alone. May we know that we are freed men and women and at the very same time that we are slaves of the Lord Jesus Christ. And may we rejoice in that and find that as the only identity that matters. And may we endeavor to keep his commandments. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we spend so much time sweating over the things of this world. We're running in the same rat race that everyone else is running in. We're trying to climb ladders. We're trying to find honor and significance in life. We're trying to, to hold on to this little bitty life that we have, being told we only live once and get it while you can. And we feel time fleeting. And Lord, remind us that these things don't matter. And yet everything matters. We're to obey you in everything. But but Father, we don't have to pine over things. We don't have to grind over these decisions. We just need to obey you where you've planted us, wherever you've called us, wherever you've situated us, wherever you move us tomorrow. 
May we glorify you in all these things, knowing that we have been bought at a price. Our lives are not our own. Use us, we pray, and help us to be satisfied in you and what you've called us to do. Thank you that we are free men and women. Thank you that we are slaves of the Lord Jesus Christ. Keep us faithful, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.